Super Talk Mississippi media production. If you're feeling anxious about your investments with all the economic volatility and chaos in Washington, tune in to Super Talk Jackson on Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. and Sundays from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. for Element Wealth Radio with Jeremy Nelson. Learn more at myelementwealth.com. What's up? Good morning. Michael Borky and Stephen Gagliano with you. It is Sports Sunday on Super Talk Mississippi. And for those of you on the podcast, we're back. After a few week hiatus, of uh, we, we made some changes around here. And uh, I got enough DMs from you guys that I have decided to add the extra couple of steps that it's going to take to get this up in the podcast as well. For those of you that have been listening to or watching the stream in the morning, I appreciate that. And uh, welcome back, because for, I mean, like a year on my podcast feed, this was the only show you got. And so uh, thank you for sticking around, and now this is back. We got a bunch to get to today. Number one, the weather's beautiful, and we had some baseball across the state of Mississippi, and it was played in front of much fuller, not completely full, but much fuller crowds. Student section in Oxford looked like it was packed. They did the beer shower when it was like 61. That's not a fun beer shower <laughs> at all. But they did it, which was cool to see. Grill smoke going in Starkville. Again, not a full crowd, but a much better crowd, and that was really, uh, really cool to see, although the team didn't win yesterday. More on that here in a little bit. We got basketball. Ole Miss, somehow, someway, man, is just staying there in the conversation. You kill them, they're like the Jon Snow of basketball. You stab him a couple times, and you think he's gone. And then some red witch comes in. Spoiler alert! If Spoiler anybody out alert! There hasn't if you haven't watched it. Game of Thrones yet, some red witch comes in and brings him back to life. That's happened almost like four or five times now. They have a shot, an outside shot, and there is one concern that I have with the teams on the bubble around them. I'll explain that later as well. But we'll get to that win over Vanderbilt. I mean, Ole Miss is now what seven and two in their last nine, but those two are a killer too. If they just beat Vanderbilt the first time like they beat them yesterday, they're probably on the right side of the bubble. But alas, they did not. The consistency is hair-pulling, frustrating for Ole Miss. But a shot still remains. We'll get to all that here coming up. But I want to start with, uh, with this. I think this is still the most important sports story, at least in this neck of the woods, Right now, and no, I'm not talking about Russell Wilson, although if we've got time, we're going to get to that as well later on. Uh, It was the LSU thing, if you want to call it that. The report came out Friday outlining all of their issues uh, with either reporting or lack thereof of physical and or alleged sexual abuse of females on campus, whether it be from athletes or otherwise. The handling or mishandling of that, that internal investigation, that report dropped Friday. It is just as bad as USA Today and their original reporting made it out to be. It is abhorrent what has gone on there. But have you noticed something about uh, the coverage of it? It is all about less miles. 
And honestly, as gross as this sounds, it's a masterclass in public relations from LSU. Because Thursday, the day before the report was going to get released, it leaked that Les Miles is heavily involved in this. In fact, it leaked on Thursday that Les Miles' behavior was so bad when he was the head coach at LSU that he was barred from his employer from being in the same room as a female. And yet, after they made that decision, they kept him employed for three years, but Les Miles no longer at LSU. They've washed their hands of Les Miles. And so on Thursday, the day before the report gets released, that leaks out. And boom, it becomes a big story. Les Miles' behavior. All these things about it. And then when the report gets released, everybody's eyes are on Les. That's that's a master class in public relations. As gross as it is, LSU diverted all the attention away from themselves. And all on Les Miles. Not the alleged mishandling of multiple reports where the employees that were supposed to handle these situations are keeping their jobs and remaining on campus. No, that's not the story. The story isn't that Darius guys, while he was a running back at LSU, allegedly sexually assaulted a 70-year-old woman and did not at all go through any disciplinary action. Now, I know that you are innocent until proven guilty. However, they didn't even begin the process to determine whether or not he was. But that's not the story. It's all less miles. They have completely diverted attention away from themselves, and we can't do that. It's kind of similar to what you're seeing going on in like the news world right now with the governor of New York. Now, everything that he did and all of these women that are coming forward should be heard, and it's all disgusting, but you know it's not being talked about anymore. You look confused. The, the nursing was, home situation. Yeah, I was waiting to see if that was a rhetorical question or yeah, if you no, wanted me to answer. But now, it's something else. Now, this wasn't by design. This is just because apparently he's a massive pile of human garbage, but it's, it's a very similar concept. It's all about Les Miles today, and he got put on administrative leave. I doubt he coaches another college football game again. But what's He not- might even resign before Kansas fires him. The way that he's trying to position himself in this yeah. as a, I'm a victim of you know this kind of reporting, which is, his attorney called it disgusting, the way that he's being reported on, and I don't think that he's reading this situation right. But that's what these universities do. They find these ways to spin these stories to get the least amount of negative coverage yeah. on what is going to affect them moving forward. And, it, you know, it's not exactly apples to apples here, but what happened when the first notice of allegations came out at Ole Miss? Oh, it's not the current staff. It's everybody that's already gone. And Which, in course, hindsight, was such a mistake. But. Right, yeah. And then the more you find out, the more you find out that's not true. But that was their initial defense, was to just kind of push it to the people that were no longer there. And that's what LSU is trying to do in this situation. I, I can't help but believe that they it, it's all by design and it's working. The, the Darius Geis thing is being completely over. I mean, it's not even really being talked about. I know uh, he's done bad things since then and he's no longer in the NFL. But this was while he was a student at LSU under the current coaching staff. And 
I'm not going to read through the entire thing, but he, quote, reportedly, allegedly, aggressively sexually harassed a 70-year-old Superdome security guard. And that Superdome security guard tried to tell the school about it. Even there was a message sent directly to the two people that LSU suspended but did not fire and nothing was done. That's not even a story. It's all Les Miles. It's a masterclass in public relations, but we are absolutely missing everything else here. Everybody's eyes have been pointed to less and not on what is going on there. And you want to talk about cultural issues. I, I'm not, I mean, look, I sit here on these airwaves six days a week. I'm a glutton for punishment. Six days a week I'm on these airwaves. Might and, as well add a Saturday show too. Seriously, <laughs> and just go all seven. Um, but I have constantly defended people who, quote, cheat in recruiting. But that's when it's like a booster slinging a thousand bucks to a recruit's mom. Not using a hospital charity to funnel money to players and their families. Not embezzling money from a hospital charity. It's a little bit different. But still, when you look at everything that has gone on there, it's not just NCAA issues that I've defended in the past. There's so much more to this than that. There is a cultural failure, and it's not being covered adequately. It's not being spoken of adequately because everybody's pointing to Les Miles, who's not there anymore. But when in reality, look at the basketball coach that is still on campus that was caught on a federal wiretap discussing league minimum caliber payments to recruits, a few hundred thousand dollars if you don't know what the NBA league minimum is, you have your football program. that The guy just got out of prison, by the way. The booster that was funneling money through a hospital charity uh, who has had direct contact with their football coach because there's, you know, you see the picture floating around. Um, there's that. There was Odell Beckham handing out thousands of dollars to players on the field while live on CNN. That, that's yeah, a real thing that happened. tried to hide it at least a little bit. Od- and, Odell Beckham, he yeah. made no qualms about it. He was he was giving out that cash right then and there. And LSU's response to that was it was fake money. And people just bought it because, I, I don't know. And you have multiple other uh, violations involved in the football program. And then all of this, Title IX issues, not reporting domestic assault, covering it up forcing the victims of these alleged crimes to go through such a runaround that they were exhausted by the process, intimidating them, all of these things. And by the way, people are still screaming that the band should play neck, where the students chant a phrase that is so abhorrent, I can't even paraphrase it for you on the radio. There is a cultural issue that extends far beyond paying recruits. And yet, it's just kind of tossed aside as, oh, well, Les is a creep, but they're good now. Why is it that LSU can escape the same wrath of the media that you've seen so many other schools receive for not even a fraction of what these people have done and allegedly covered up? It's insanity. And everybody's being distracted by Les Miles. Sports Sunday. We'll be right back. On the text line, 601-879-4395. It's free to you, by the way. I, I can't tell you, Stephen, the number of times people have asked me how much it costs to text the show. Like, oh, is it just five cents? No, it's nothing. Unless it somebody nothing. wants to pay us directly. I mean, you can do that, too. <laughs> I've got Cash App now. Just search my name. You can give me money if you'd like. But no, texting the show is free. 
601-879-4395. One of you says LSU is going to put it all on the less. Another one says, I've been waiting for months for someone to say what you just did about LSU. If this is state or old Miss, the death penalty would be handed down. And the NCAA process is still going on with LSU. They did self-impose a bull ban in a COVID year. I hope that is just laughed away. I mean, who knows with the NCAA. But, I mean, you're right. It, the energy that people brought to, I mean, Tennessee. What Tennessee football just went through, firing Jeremy Pruitt. And then Kevin Steele's going to get that 900 k by the way, for being on staff for a month. That's got to be awesome, just getting a check that clears for $900,000 and <laughs> doing probably no work with that staff. People are treating this, though. I mean, like you said, it's all pointed to less miles, and not that there are people that were directly involved in this, people that were named in the Darius Guy situation, who ignored it and are still employed by the school. And that's multiple times now with Geis. There are other yeah, incidents he's, he's, of while he was at LSU that have been reported on before, and still nothing has happened with that. It's I can't figure out why they are immune. Because we talked about this on the, the weekday show some. Uh, I think Mississippi's an easy target for people that have never been here and don't know what it's like here. And don't know that there are people here that work really hard every day to make this a good place to live and better than it was the day before. And you have people that work in media, sports media especially, that live in L.A. or New York that have never been here. And they just look at Mississippi as an easy target. And so anytime, you know, why would that player from Georgia want to go play at a racist place like Mississippi, as if Georgia doesn't have their own history of civil rights issues. That's what they do, though. They sit up in these ivory towers in crumbling New York City and point down at us. But is Louisiana any different than Mississippi? Why does LSU get a pass? Is it simply because they won a national championship recently? That winning just cures everything? I mean... If you look at their football coach right now, in this report, they said that Orgeron knew about some of these things and, quote, some of it was handled well, some of it wasn't. And that's not even a headline you can find anywhere. I I haven't seen one thing about Ed Orgeron's name pop up over the last three days now since this this report. This guy's thing happened in his program. And according to, I mean, this is the screenshot from the report. A football coach was contacted about this, and the football coach's response was that he was probably kidding around, and he came from a broken home. That is somebody that was on the football staff. They didn't specify what coach, but a football coach in this report. And people on staff, the ones... So they suspended two of them, right, that work in the athletic department. But that's it, just suspended. They keep their jobs. One of the suspended people was, quote, aware of the information and was notified about it, but did not report the matter to the Title IX office or anywhere. Nothing happened to him. That person's still employed by the school. And these and nothing's these suspensions, happening. like these lower-level positions within the athletic department, this isn't some public position where people are going to continue to demand for these people to be fired or something else to happen, they'll go on a quiet suspension for however long and come back as if nothing changed. And no one will know. Exactly. And and that's the worst part of it because then nothing changes. But everybody's talking about less today. 
it's it's a masterclass in PR 101. I mean, if you want to talk about damage mitigation, LSU did a great job of that because everything's pointing over there. Hey, he's not with us anymore. Even though your athletic director at the time knew his behavior was so bad that he wanted to fire him, but your board wouldn't let him. How about that? Joe Oliva, who got booed at a basketball game, heavily booed, because he wanted Will Wade to answer questions? Because he wanted to move on from Les Miles? He was the scapegoat in all this. He knew in 2013 that his football coach was doing things that you cannot have on your campus, and he recommended his termination. And there was an email that the athletic director that they forced out sent that said, the public would be on our side. I can't let him in the room with women anymore. We need to fire him, and we have cause. And they didn't do it. And they kept him employed for three years after the athletic director said that. And the athletic director is the one that lost his job. That's also a a negative light on how much influence boosters and boards and all of these people truly have. And when you have a situation like this going on that people in the building and on campus know about and they have no power to do anything about it, that's disgusting. And and that shows that that winning, like you said, unfortunately seems to be everything. And in this kind of situation, that just can't be the case. But yet here they are. They got a coach with a funny accent from the bayou. And so because of that, it just doesn't matter. It just it just doesn't matter the same. And whichever one of you texted in, uh, my text line is frozen at the moment. Um, it would be different if it were one of the schools in Mississippi. Absolutely, without a doubt, 150%. It would be different. But somehow they are made of Teflon. And the NCAA could still punish them. I mean, they're still involved in that process. But the NCAA doesn't punish for Title IX moral issues. And it sounds like after this report came out, here in a couple weeks when those suspensions are over, that's it. They escaped all of this while pointing the finger at their former coach that kept employed for three years. But hey, everybody, we got a great culture, a place where Our female student-athletes and students feel comfortable. By the way, let the band play neck, where they scream, again, a phrase so offensive I couldn't paraphrase it for you on this show. Keith and JS says uh, they can make a career on low-hanging fruit, no questions asked, and never have to prove their worth. Yeah, I mean, the amount of things, and this is just in totality. Like, for example, when, uh, when Tate Reeves lifted basically all of his COVID restrictions, you should have seen the stuff written about Mississippi. I mean, the president of the United States called it Neanderthal thinking, but have you noticed that there are a lot of other states north of the Mason-Dixon line that are now opening everything up? Why are they not Neanderthals? Why, why do those governors not get the same national energy that Tate Reeves got? Now, you can love Tate Reeves or hate him. I'm not going to tell you to think one way or the other, but didn't you notice that? Because Mississippi and Texas aren't the only two states that have opened up, guys. No, There will be more to come this week, too, and none of that coverage will be there. Oh, it will not be the same, and I promise you the president's not going to call him Neanderthal. So, yeah, Keith, low-hanging fruit. It's very easy for them to punch down as they perceive it. But we're not the only state that opened up this week. There's a handful of states that are way north of here that have done the same thing. 
But they didn't get that. Their governor didn't get that treatment. Those people weren't called Neanderthals. It's amazing, isn't it? And it's so what's the the best part about this state is I'm one of these people, right? So I, I grew up my first time visiting Mississippi in my life was January 2010. First time I've ever been here. Wow. And you got here what later that year? I enrolled in college fall of that year. <laughs> yeah. So I got to see it for what it actually is. And I can't tell you the number of people. I mean, they're, they're guests on all of our shows here all the time. People, we had somebody from New York that was on Rebecca's show. I think it was New York City, right? He uh, moved to Hattiesburg and started a sandwich shop, like a New York-style deli. And, I mean, he's got the accent still and everything. The number of people that have moved here from elsewhere or visited here from elsewhere and thought, wait a minute. This place isn't anything like what people from New York say it is. Or people from L.A. say it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've got our flaws. So does everybody. Everybody's got flaws. We've got some. And we've got a history that is not one to be very proud of. But today, pretty sweet place. I'm happy to be here. And I'm not from here. I have no ties here. I'm my only tie to Mississippi. It's me. I'm my only tie here. I I think my dad had been to Biloxi once in his life. And that, and that was like on a golf trip or something. So it was like fly in, play golf, go to a casino, fly out. Like that's not really visiting Mississippi. I had no ties here. Me either. My parents told me one time they drove through Meridian, they think. And that was, that was about the only connection before I got here. Yeah, Benny and Starfall, Iowa, already open. But that they're not Neanderthals, are they? Oh, that's, wait, because you need Iowa to get momentum next election season, don't you? Huh. Interesting. Bob and Pontotox says, Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning to you, Bob. I believe the reason the media covers up for LSU is because of politics. It's There's something to it. Because it would not be treated the same way if it was here. Tom Petty brings us out. More of your text. 601-879-4395 and basketball when we get back. By the way, uh, although it hasn't happened yet, most people are anticipating Les Miles to be either fired or something from Kansas. And if you remember, uh, what was it, Dave Beatty, they fired to hire Les Miles, had Kansas's best season in like the last 15 years, the season they fired him. It just wasn't enough or whatever. But uh, Yahoo has already put out a hot list, even though he hasn't been fired yet. And I think this is, um, I think this is pie in the sky stuff. I mean, they've got Willie Fritz is from Kansas, so at least that makes a little bit of sense. But they've got Willie Fritz, Lance Leopold from Buffalo, uh, Fritz, by the way, at Tulane. Skip Holtz, I guess, makes some sense there for Kansas. But Troy Calhoun at Air Force, Jay Norvell at Nevada, no. Mike Elko, defense coordinator at Texas A&M. Jeff Munkin at Army. He has Ken Niamatololo on here. I mean, it's already gotten harder to hire coaches away. But I'm telling you right now, Air Force and Army and Tulane are better jobs than Kansas. Yeah, that's not a job that people are going no. to want to leave their position for. If, if they're on these kind of hot lists, they'll wait one more year and get a better job than Kansas. I mean, if 
the SEC goes uh, any if any Power Five conference goes through some coaching carousel. Let's say, let's just throw this out there. Um, NC State moves on from Dave Doran. Lance Leopold's on that list. If this is a bad example because they just hired him, but if Missouri moved on from Eli Drinkwitz, Lance Leopold's on that list. This might be, this next season might be the first year in a while, not in a while, but might be one of those years where the SEC doesn't have a single coaching turnover. Because who, who's on the hot seat going into 2021? Nobody. There, yeah. there's, there's not a hot seat. Right, you had more movement after this season than we maybe initially thought with yeah. all the COVID stuff and people being able to pay buyouts, but you know they always find a way. So, yeah, you really might not have one coach fired, which would be crazy. Uh, and you could see Orgeron because of scandal. I mean, that's possible. And if they stink again, maybe they just fire him anyway. But, I mean... Fingers crossed, maybe Nick Saban retires. <laughs> Nick Saban could retire. Uh, Leopold wouldn't be on that list, though. Um, I think that list would be Dabo Sweeney, and then when he says no, Mario Cristobal. That's the path I would take if I were in Alabama. I would make Dabo say no, and he would. He's not leaving Clemson. There are people that think that he'll just run and jump to Alabama. No shot. Absolutely. I mean, come on. He's a god at Clemson. There's no reason to go anywhere. He's built a machine. He is the guy. They will build shrines to him. Every... I think my brother has one in his apartment already. (laughs) Every questionably named building on campus would turn into Dabo Hall. And they got a few of those there. I mean, he's it. He's the guy. He's built a machine. Why would he pick up and leave that to go to Alabama where expectations are astronomical? It's tougher on a weekly basis for you to win there, and you're following the guy. You're just another coach at Alabama. A good one, but you're just another coach at Clemson. I mean, they probably pray to him this morning. God bless my family and friends and Coach Dabo Sweeney. That's what they do there. So that wouldn't happen. But, I mean, guys like Leopold, Troy Calhoun, I don't know about Mike Elko, probably not. Maybe that's somebody that Kansas could hire, I guess. But when you throw Jeff Munkin and Ken Niamatololo on these, you're crazy. They're not leaving for that job. I mean, Jeff Munkin was at least flirted with by multiple SEC schools. You think he's going to jump to Kansas when he's got that possibility out there? No shot. Kansas is a horrible job. Horrible job. And they're firing another coach after scandal. And the guy before Les Miles was actually moving the program in the right direction, and they still fired him. So, no. I mean, we we have to really change these lists. I mean, maybe look at, I don't know, a safeties coach at, Temple, like that's who they could hire. But, but if you think that Lance Leopold's gonna leave Buffalo, and I mean Syracuse may come open, an ACC job, an SEC job, a Big Twelve job. I mean those are gonna come open, and he's gonna be on that list. And you think that he's gonna settle for Kansas? No, no shot at all. Looking through this list, if you had to pick one after next season, who's the most likely SEC coach that could be fired? Most likely. Oh, man. Kind of on the most spot here. Most likely. Orgeron. 
because of scandal or There's scandal and – I mean, because there, there's a multi-factor there. Uh, I don't think Mississippi State would make a change – like, let's say Mississippi State went 2-10. and 10. I don't think they're making another head coaching change after two seasons again. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, that seat would be on fire, but I don't think they would make that change right away. You think Jimbo Fisher bought him a significant oh, yeah. amount of time with last season? Finishing number five, yeah, now he's replacing a quarterback. Yeah, he's got he's got multiple years left, I'm sure. What what are the oil prices right now? They're pretty good, <laughs> yeah. right? So yeah. they can pay a buyout if they want to? Exactly. I, yeah. I think that's how it works there. No, I, my list, I think it would be Orgeron. And, and that's it. I think every other coach would have to be fired because of scandal. I don't think any, no matter what the season they had, I don't think you're firing them. Because, let's be honest, 2-10 and 10 is only on the table for like Vanderbilt and Arkansas. And those guys aren't getting fired after those seasons. So, I think that's it. If Dan Mullen gets in another fight on the 50-yard line, does that happen? <laughs> oh, no, don't worry. The, the league will do nothing and people will like it for some reason. Because they'll wear, wear a Darth Vader, Darth Vader mask uh, yeah. to the press conference afterwards. I do find it. There, there is a, a story. I know Mississippi State fans love this. Uh, the whole Dan Mullen leaving thing and other fan bases having to deal with it now. But Dan Mullen has had, on so many different levels, had to def- like deny that he was interested in the NFL. It's become like a, a storyline over in Florida that... Despite what you think, Dan Mullen was not in, interested in the NFL, and he's happy at Florida, and those kind of stories. Why is it a problem? Why do you have to deny that you were interested in the NFL? I mean, seriously, Mike Leach is probably at his retirement job. I, I think he's done at Mississippi State, and, and I don't know if his system works in the NFL. I think he's just a college football coach. But, like, if Lane Kiffin, let's say, I don't know, Sean Payton went to the Cowboys— because it's the Cowboys. And the Saints came open. And there was local reports that, hey, Lane Kiffin's interested in that job. Please, I mean, don't try to tell the media. That, that's what Florida fans are doing right now. They're, oh, he, he wasn't interested. You're lying. I would hope that Lane Kiffin would want that job. And I wouldn't expect him to deny it either. Just, yeah, it's the NFL. <laughs> it's way better than having to flirt with 16-year-olds on the phone for hours a day every day. It's way better. I can actually spend my off-season in Boca without having to be on my phone the whole time. That's way better <laughs> than, than being a college coach. That, that people are like forcing Mullen to deny that he was interested in the NFL. Oh, that was never real. It, I, I would hope it was. Why would he not want to be an NFL coach? Like, I know you guys love the Gator bait, Gator bait. You know who thinks that's weird? Non-Florida fans. It's also something, It's too. more money. It's, a, it's better. Yeah, it's more pressure, but you don't have to recruit. You don't have to deal with boosters. You don't have to pretend to go to these fancy country clubs and shake hands and, like, be friendly with these people. No, all you do is coach. That's it. You just coach. And in the summer... I mean, I would hope Sean Payton's like in Bermuda or something right now, just kicking back, man. Hopefully he left his phone in uptown New Orleans where I assume he lives. Well, he needs it now in case Russell Wilson calls or the Seahawks call. But 
Oh, he! Yeah. I'm sure he has already made it clear to Mickey Loomis that if you can go get him, please, sir, go. Get I would him. imagine so. And the th- the thing with Mullen, though, and the people—if you're going to deny that he was interested in that job, who do you think those reports and the leaks to the media were coming from? That oh, he's interested agent, in the Jimmy NFL. Sexton. Exactly. So it's coming from him essentially. Yeah. So was he interested? Absolutely. And people like believe the denial. It was the same thing. Speaking of Dabo Sweeney. Clemson people did this. There was very early talk when the Texans moved on from Bill O'Brien that it would make sense for Dabo, it wouldn't make sense, but this is what people were saying, for Dabo to go coach the Texans and reunite with Deshaun Watson. And local media there, oh, no, he'd never take the Texans' job. He's happy with Clemson. Guys, it's the NFL. Why, why do you want him to deny his interest? And then when he does, why do you believe it? I, I saw one column. It was like, I, I don't remember the exact phrase, but it was like, case closed. Dabo says no to not interested in Texans. And I just, I wanted to reply, hey, man. Yeah, he is. That's okay. He may not go. He won't be offered, actually. But he'd be insane not to be interested. And that's okay. It's the peak of the sport. Anyway. 601-879-4395 is the text line. Don't go anywhere. It was nice to see semi-normal atmospheres in baseball this weekend. Still not 100%, but probably about what they would have been regardless, I think. Yeah, in a normal year where people haven't just had this, like, desire and they've been suppressed yeah. for a year but yeah if that if this was a normal season normal kind of non-conference weekend i think that's what a, what the crowd would have been there's some pent-up demand that i don't think a lot of us are paying attention to for example uh on friday's show we did a poll about uh, we, we started talking about spring games and how so mississippi states got set so we'll have mississippi state spring game is it a week after old Miss's spring game or a week before. They're in back-to-back weeks. Right, I, yeah, know I was going to say, I know they're a week apart. I'm not yeah, sure which they're a week first. apart. Uh, the point is, I was like, hey, you know, we get to overreact to a scrimmage twice uh, in two consecutive shows. It's going to be great. But um, So we start talking about attendance. You know, are people actually going to go to that? Because the luster around spring games is gone because they don't really play, play games anymore. And they're all on TV, so it's much easier to watch. But... I think there's this pent-up demand where people just kind of want to be in these places. You know, it, only a few thousand of you guys could go to your actual games this year, and now it's going to basically be wide open. Figured you hadn't been in your town in a year, a lot of you. You're going to go. And so we ran a poll, and 53% of our responders uh, said they are more likely to go to their spring game, and 40% uh, really no change. So I think you're going to see bigger than usual crowds at these spring games this year just because people haven't been able to go to town. And now they can. Yeah, and there's something, too, just being in the stadium. And it's not a real game, but you're going to be able to hear pads collide. You're going to be able to get a hot pretzel or a hot dog or something and just sit there and watch football. And I, I think there's something to be said for that. You have, so. you have not been able to do that for a year, at least well, most of Well, they sell beer at the spring game, too? Yes. 
There you go. Yeah, and you more people are going to come anyway. And in both cases, you will have baseball either before or after, and they're both awesome series. So at Mississippi State, they're having Ole Miss in town for baseball that weekend, so you know the crowds are going to be massive. And then for Ole Miss, they're having LSU. So again, you know the crowds are going to be massive. I mean, those weekends are going to be awesome. And uh, it's just nice to know that we get to say that. Instead of the conversation being, man, those weekends would have been great. Yeah, at this now time. Now they're going to be. At this time last year, we really would have been in this very early stage of being just concerned. Five days and, from the anniversary of Rudy Gobert's positive. Oh, my gosh. It's, <laughs> it really is unbelievable the yeah. year of sports that we've been through. And just wondering everything throughout last year is when is it going to come back? What's it going to look like? And now we're in this kind of, you know, period where we're moving forward and moving back towards reality. I'll knock on wood just in case. But, you know, it's something that we will truly never be able to forget. And I think it's going to have a lot of us not take certain things for granted when sports do come back and full crowds are back. Like baseball, Ole Miss has already won the series over Belmont. Uh, like I told you guys last Sunday, just relax. It, it's okay. Uh, I spent some time on the stream as well. Just take a deep breath. It's baseball. That happens sometimes. I mean, you're playing a bunch of young guys right now. Their approach wasn't great, but it, it's baseball. They're really talented. These kind of weekends happen. No big deal. Now, this is Belmont, and it was Jackson State and Memphis, but their approaches were significantly better. And now they've basically had their get-right week. No matter what happens today, going 4-1 and one this week is a very nice bounce back. That's why you relax and let things happen. They'll get Chatney back in the lineup soon. It'll be fine. Mississippi State, though, a little bit different story. So they, it took them two walk-offs to beat Tulane last week. And wow, that was a cool moment, and you love it, especially when you know that your team didn't tighten up and uh, in clutch spots like that, that they responded well, which is always a great thing. Fans were still a little concerned. You know, it's Tulane. Why why are we having to have two walk-offs to to beat Tulane? But you did it, which is all that matters. And again, it's baseball. Sometimes you just have those kind of weekends. Well, now here they are with Kent State, and fans are even more concerned. They uh, are really struggling getting out of the gate right now. Uh, Mississippi State is, especially on the mound. I mean, this was supposed to be a staff that was really, really good. I mean, I know you've got a reliever that is striking out everybody, including everybody in the stands. I mean, he's got a strikeout for everyone. He's like Oprah handing out strikeouts instead of cars. I mean, he's great. But otherwise, they've struggled getting out of the gate somewhat. And fans are, I mean, go pull up the final score graphic on Twitter or Facebook of Mississippi State announcing the final score and look at the replies. I mean, people are are concerned. I always feel bad for the person that has to put that yeah, tweet out. The social media manager, I mean... <laughs> it's not their fault. It's not their fault. I swear there are people that think that the players or like a coach is the one that's doing the social media for the teams. I swear they think that. Because I've heard from women's fans, oh, the team should be focused on this instead of dunking on Texas on Twitter. It's like, you know, it's, it's an intern. It's like a 20-year-old... You know, Kappa Delta from. They probably didn't even make the trip to the right. game. Yeah, they're, they're probably sitting, sitting in their apartment. Yeah, it's like a it, seriously, it's like a twenty year old Kappa Delta who who wants to be in marketing, and she has this internship with the sports team, and they let her tweet the graphics or something like that. I mean, it's not the players, but important game today for Mississippi State. They they need to get out of the gate better. 
They've struggled with that so far this year. We'll see with the rubber match coming up. Hour number two coming up. 601-879-4395 is the text line. Hour number two, Sports Sunday, Super Talk, Mississippi. Michael Borky and Stephen Gagliano with you. You want to be a part of the conversation, you can. 601-879-4395. Jason's asking when the spring games are. Far enough away for numbers to skyrocket again or pretty soon. Jason, get that negativity out of here. Come on, man. The, the answer is yes. I mean, they're, what, April 24th and then either the week before or the week after? I, yeah, I cannot find the Mississippi State date. The Ole Miss website says April 24th. So. Yeah, state, I think state's the week prior. Well, here. Here's what you do. Pull up their baseball schedule. It's the weekend they play Ole Miss. Aha, I'm on it. But anyway, yeah, I mean, yeah, Jason, yes. There, there's plenty of time for things to go up by then, but why? Get that negativity out of here, man. It's Sunday morning. We're supposed to be positive. Thinking good, happy thoughts around here. It is good to be with you, though. Week before. Week before. Okay, so State will be first. That is, let me do some math here, the 17th? Yes. Very good. All right. Yeah. (laughs) That was great. All right. 24 minus 7 is 17. There's uh, there's your lesson of the day. If you uh, didn't like anything that was said here, at least you learned something. That's always good. Hopefully you knew that beforehand, but. Yeah, you you (laughs) never know. But anyway, all right, Ole Miss got a win over Vanderbilt yesterday in basketball. And like we said at the top, I mean, they're just like Jon Snow in Game of Thrones. No matter how hard you stab him, just keeps waking up. And that's Ole Miss basketball right now. They uh, they really, really struggled at the beginning of SEC play, but yet in their last nine, they've won seven games. And now those two losses are devastating losses to Mississippi State and Vanderbilt. And that's really been the difference. Uh, but they have quality wins over Tennessee, two over Missouri. Kentucky's bad, but they still beat Kentucky. And now suddenly Ole Miss is still going to Nashville with a chance to make the NCAA tournament. And not one of those chances like any given Sunday, one in a million. Uh, No, I think right now, as it sits, if Ole Miss just gets to Saturday, I think they're in. Now, it's more nuanced than that, of course. I mean... You have conference tournaments going on, and the, most of these one-bid leagues will stay one-bid leagues, but there's a team that could get in under its own merit that loses in the championship game, and so that league becomes a two-bid league. There are also other teams that are in or around the bubble that will inevitably win and lose, but inevitably win games in their conference tournament. So it's not that simple, but generally speaking, I think if Ole Miss can win two games in Nashville – they'll make the NCAA tournament, which is a remarkable accomplishment considering how inconsistent, frustrating, and bad they were at times to close the season the way they have. It's a really nice coaching job. It shows that you've got a team full of good, hardworking kids uh, that have decided to not take their circumstances and let them define them. And so here they are. It's a tough ask because either way, depending on the outcome of the Florida-Tennessee game today, they'll either have... South Carolina, LSU, and LSU is a horrible matchup for that team, although inconsistent themselves, or the winner of Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, and then Florida. Beating Vanderbilt yesterday didn't really help them. In fact, Joey Brackets did not move Ole Miss off the last four out at all after their win over Vanderbilt yesterday. That's where they remain. But they go to Nashville with a chance. 
Because the teams in front of them, Seton Hall, St. Louis, Utah State, I think a couple of them lost, actually. Let me give you an updated one. Here's the latest. So Ole Miss, uh, they did lose. and all right, They did win, but they didn't gain anything. So first four out still is Utah State, St. Louis, Seton Hall. Syracuse has actually jumped Ole Miss. And the next four out, he's got SMU, Memphis, Ole Miss, and St. John's. Shouldn't Syracuse be moved down after what Jim Beheim did earlier this week? Yeah, attacking a reporter for yeah. just asking a fair question. Um, and here's what is concerning to me for Ole Miss. When you look at the bubble and who's on it, you have teams like Michigan State, Syracuse, Louisville, Georgia Tech, even Memphis, Duke, if they can win a couple of games. But they're at 500 right now. They may just be out-out. But the one thing that concerns me about Ole Miss right now and some of these teams, some of these teams on the bubble, and this is just reality. It sucks, but it's reality. If there's one spot left in the field and the committee is down to Syracuse or Ole Miss, guess who they're picking? It's not Ole Miss. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it fair. It should be all resumes should be picked blind, but they're not. No, that'll never be the case. That's how it should be. Names will always matter in college sports. But if Tom Izzo's Michigan State, if there's two spot two spots left in three teams, and they're down to Tom Izzo's Michigan State, Jim Beheim, Syracuse, and Ole Miss. It doesn't matter how many Quadrant 1 wins Ole Miss has compared to the other two. It doesn't matter. Those two are getting in. That's what I'm afraid of. And I don't like saying things I can't quantify or back up, but this is just a feeling, but I think my feeling's accurate. It's the same thing we talked about with Ohio State getting into the college football playoff. And, of course, they proved their worth by beating Clemson the way they did, but... They were never going to put a Cincinnati in nope. because Ohio State is going to draw viewers. It's going to have people buy the limited amount of tickets that were available, and it would just have more general interest. And that's what college sports are at the end of the day. And they have to get these big names. They, got, they have to get people interested and involved. They can do it, though. I mean, it's there for them. In a rocky, inconsistent, miserable year, it's right there in front of them. They can't do it. It's not some kind of insurmountable, inconceivable, Disney movie-level run that they have to go on. I think it's two games. It's one against a team that they should be better than. Although, I wouldn't love playing against Texas A&M. I thought they looked good yesterday in their loss to Arkansas on the road in Bud Walton. And it's a team that hadn't played in a while. And they hadn't played in a month. And they got beat up by Mississippi State and then looked, I thought they looked better yesterday. I don't know, if you got to pick between Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and Texas A&M to play, I think A&M's your third choice. And then Florida or LSU. Right. And that's that's the good thing about the SEC this year is there isn't that one other than Alabama and Arkansas has been, been really strong. But there's not a dominant team really that you're afraid of running into. So you have you have a shot at all yeah. of these teams. You want Florida to win today. You want them to beat Tennessee so you can get Florida. Uh, Florida's a, a very good basketball team, well-coached. They're playing well lately. 
better matchup for you than LSU. You'd re- but either way, I don't, I don't think it matters. That that's your path. Get to Saturday, and you're likely in. You're squeaking by, but you're likely in if you just get to Saturday. It's right there in front of them. All the inconsistency, all the bad losses, and there's a lot of them. I mean, this is a team that has wins over, forget how bad they are, wins over Kentucky, Tennessee, and Missouri twice. And losses to Vanderbilt, Mississippi State when they were playing really bad, two losses to Georgia. You got a close loss to Dayton and Wichita State in there. It's just remarkably inconsistent, but with here they just, are. With just those wins, if at the beginning of the season you told an Ole Miss fan, and because at that point you didn't know what Kentucky oh my was God, going you're like to a four seed. <laughs> right, and you tell them just those wins, and an Ole Miss fan would say, yeah, we're, we're like a two or a three seed yeah. going into the NCAA tournament, and we won the SEC. That's what they would say. Well, that was what that team was supposed to be, really. I mean, they were supposed to be that good. Yeah, the way that the way that everybody talked about the the talent coming in, the transfers, Devontae Schuler being a senior, I, a lot of people had those kind of hopes. And whether yeah. that was realistic or not, you know, that who's to say? That's what fans are they for. They can still but, make the tournament, right. which is all that matters, and that's all that you're judged by. That's it. Yeah, if you make the tournament, nobody's going to remember the bad losses nope. at the end of the regular season. It They'll remember tournament everything. team. Yep. And nobody would remember if you lose in the first round, really. I, I think. I mean, they lost. Kind of, they got smoked by Oklahoma in the first round when they made it two years ago. That was such a disappointing day. You had Mississippi State and Ole Miss make it to the tournament. Expectations are high, and then both teams just get rolled. Ole Miss got raced, and that was the first game of like not the first game of the tournament, but like the first game of the day, right? It's like an 11 a.m. tip-off. Yeah, I watched it in the newsroom while I was supposed to be doing other work. And they got smoked by Oklahoma. Then Mississippi State lost to Liberty, and that was like a 10 p.m. Central tip-off, so nobody watched that either. State lost yesterday to Auburn, by the way. Uh, They will play Kentucky, and Kentucky has to, I mean, they have to win the whole SEC tournament. They have to. I read their announcement of, like, you know, it was like the Kentucky athletics thing, and it was saying, you know, John Calipari is seeking his seventh straight, or not straight, but seventh SEC tournament title. Like, I don't think he's getting it this time. Probably not. Smith, Stewart, and Molinar, though, they were good again in the loss. It's a pivotal year for Ben Howland next year for sure. You got to win with this group. There's just no way around it. Sports Sunday, we'll be right back. Boom, Queen and Memphis. I think I've told you this before, Stephen. That song was supposed to be about Jackson, Mississippi. What changed? Uh, Memphis and Jackson. It just—it was more about uh, you know making it sound a little bit better. Basically, Memphis just was easier to say. And uh, but no, in that computer system somewhere is the original version. It was called Country Honk. And there's a documentary I watched about the Rolling Stones where where uh, Mick Jagger and um, oh my gosh, why am I forgetting his name? What what is the guitarist name? Why why Keith Richards? Um, are, they play that version where they're they're singing about Jackson, Mississippi. So that the original honky tonk woman 
was supposed to be a shout-out to Mississippi, and they changed it at the last minute and just kind of dressed it up through songwriting and stuff like that. They found it to be a little bit better. I'm also disappointed. I recently found out that that song, I'm Going to Jackson by Johnny Cass, I I thought that was Jackson, Mississippi. It was Jackson, Tennessee, apparently. So that was disappointing to find out. Kid Rock has a song about Jackson, Mississippi. I haven't heard that one. <laughs> you, uh, y- you'll be glad if you don't try it. Let's just. Put <laughs> I won't it that add way. it to my Spotify uh, queue before I leave here. Um, there was a Happy Gilmore esque scene on the PGA Tour yesterday. Now we're not going to talk a lot about golf on this show unless it's major news, like the Tiger Woods thing, which, by the way, is being massively overcovered still. Um, and majors. But the scene yesterday at the Arnold Palmer Invitational when Bryson DeChambeau was on the sixth hole. So the sixth hole is basically a U-shape. There's a massive lake in between T and green. And it's a par five that you're supposed to go around the lake. Because clearing the lake, it just doesn't happen. Unless you've spent the last year and a half drinking 10 protein shakes a day, and trying to hit the ball to the moon. And that's been Bryson DeChambeau. I've given him a hard time before because I think he's just kind of, you know, just weird. But what he's done for the game, I think can't be ignored. He walks up to the 6T yesterday. And there's two guys on tour that try to clear the water, really. And it's he and Rory McIlroy. And Rory did this yesterday, too, but it's just not the same. Bryson takes a line that is just right of the green. And as he's walking to the tee, there, there's a crowd there, by the way, which was also great to see. But he's walking to the tee, and it's like he's doing a wrestling intro. Like People are just losing their minds because they know that this dude is about to put everything he can into this tee shot. And they're going nuts and going nuts. And so, of course, they quiet down right before he hits the ball. And he puts everything into this shot that he can. I mean, everything that he can. It is one of the most violent swings that you've ever seen in the sport. And the second he hits it, I mean, you know. And the crowd just loses their mind, and he starts pointing to the ball with his hands up in the air, and he clears it by like 35 yards. He hit a 350-yard carry drive on the sixth hole yesterday. It is unbel- it's like a rock concert. I mean, it's, it's a true Happy Gilmore moment. And this kind of stuff is so good for the game, and they need to promote the crap out of stuff like this. A raucous atmosphere paired with a player that hits a tank bomb and then acts not like a regular golfer. He didn't just look at it and, you know, tip his hat. No, he put his hands up in the air because he just hit a ball 350 freaking yards. It's awesome. Sports need to evolve like golf did yesterday. Promote this. This is good. Energy, excitement, a little bit different, a little edge. Good for Bryson for embracing the moment. And then the crowd there. I mean, you should hear them when he's walking up to the tee. They know he's about to go. And they juiced him up. And he hit it so far that he hit it through the fairway into the rough 350-yard carry over a lake that just nobody used to. I mean, you don't touch it. But he does. It's awesome. It really is. And, you know, he doesn't have to do this at Augusta. 
But to do this at Bay Hill for the Arnold Palmer Invitational and getting people excited, it's a viral moment, something that golf doesn't necessarily have a ton of. It's not like in the NBA where you see clips all over social media and all that kind of thing. When you have a moment like this, it shows that there is an extra audience out there that wants to see stuff like this. And there's a reason that people love the Waste Management Open because it is different. It's, a, it's yep. an atmosphere that you can feel like, oh, I'm at a baseball game or I'm at a football game, but it's golf. And I think if you have more of that, and again, keep it confined almost to certain events. You don't want it spilling over into the Masters or anything right. like that. That's, but that's different. Yeah, you've got, you've got a tournament every single weekend that you have to find ways to get people interested in. And yeah. this is a good way to do it. This is the kind of stuff I've been screaming about with baseball. Baseball does such a poor job with stuff like this. And it's why I loved Mississippi State Tulane last weekend. I mean... Chippy. Oh, it was chippy. <laughs> and then you had the Tulane pitcher. That was just mowing State down, man. He had great stuff. And then Mississippi State gets the umps to check his glove. And then there's nothing on it. He was just mowing him down. And after the umps go back to the dugout, he turns to the Mississippi State dugout and gives him a big, like, just power thumbs up, like, yeah, thanks, guys. I, And then strikes him out, and then Tulane's dugout loses their mind. Just those kind of moments of different. And I, we had some listeners on the weekday show push back on that. Oh, we don't need that in baseball. We need guys to respect the game. Well, you can have energy and still respect the game. Bryson DeChambeau did not act like a golfer yesterday. He acted kind of like a wrestler. That doesn't mean he disrespected the game, but it means he had fun playing it. Right. If if anyone watching or listening out there, if you put a charge into a drive and hit it 370 or whatever it was, you'd be really excited oh too. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> and, and Kyle, and you know, you're right. That's why spiking should be allowed in college football. You know what's fun? When NFL players score a touchdown and they dance. I think it's funny. It's, I mean, you just scored. Have fun with it. And the NFL's embracing it now. Yes. They've got the score cam or whatever they call it in the end zone yeah. for these broadcasts. And, you know, 10 years ago, the NFL, the executives in the NFL hated Terrell Owens because he did that kind of stuff. Now it's one of the biggest parts of the game. Because they realized evolving. that people loved it. Yep. And, the, yeah, there's a reason why the NFL is the biggest sporting league anywhere. Yeah. It's because they embrace change and they know when to evolve. College football should do the same. Let them dance a little bit. Let them spike the ball. Let them have fun. It's fun. You're playing football. You just scored a touchdown. Let them mess around a little bit. If you're a two-lane pitcher and you're mowing down Mississippi State and they think you've got a substance on your glove, when they check it, turn around and give them a thumbs up. Yeah, hey, guys, you just made me look even better. And then State ended up getting the better of them. But that whole thing was awesome. We need more of that. That's why. So I've been talking about Arkansas fans because for some reason they have this weird hatred of everything Ole Miss does because they're having fun playing baseball. Arkansas hit a big home run yesterday. Guy flipped his bat. And he watched it a little bit. Yeah. He like, kind of walked out of the box a little bit down toward first. I wonder if their heads exploded. Because on one hand, like it's good that Arkansas did that, but on the other, how dare he disrespect our beautiful game? Looked like he had some fun. Bryson DeChambeau had some fun yesterday. It's almost as if that kind of stuff gravitates people towards the sport. It is okay to have fun. One of you says, um, 
Speaking of baseball, what are the Mississippi Braves doing this season? Is there a season? Yes. It's much shorter, though, right, Stephen? So I know the triple A season actually got pushed back a little bit. The double A season is still on as scheduled. What they did, though, they're going to have like six game series. So they're going to kind of limit travel that way. I think they shrunk the size of some of the divisions. So there's going to be less, again, moving throughout the country. It's going to be a lot more regional, even though it already has been. So, yeah, six-game series. I'm not 100% sure when it starts, though. I can look May. that up. Though. May 4th is the season opener for your Mississippi Braves. They will play the Blue Wahoos of Pensacola. Isn't that Bubba Watson's team? Or didn't he sell a stake of it or something like that? I know that was the, the one where you could rent out the stadium when they weren't yeah, having games. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah. I think that's the team Bubba Watson owns. So, yeah, you're right. So they'll play Pensacola in a six-game series starting on May 4th, and then they'll get a day off, and then go to Biloxi for a six-game series, and then get a day off. They will never. They don't play on Monday. That's what it is. Monday's their day off. They're playing every other day but Monday. Uh, they will play 12 games in 13 days. It's a lot of baseball. Uh, all at home. So May, you'll get... 18 home games in the month of May. That's pretty awesome. So they'll play May, June. Well, it looks like the schedule's pretty full. I don't know why I said it's short. It's not short. I mean, they're May, June, July, August are all full and half of September. So forgive me for being completely incorrect. I thought I heard that. I guess I was dead wrong. Yeah, they're, it's a full schedule. Just six-game series to limit some travel. So, yeah, your teams are back. Uh, the Biloxi Shuckers and the Mississippi Braves. So enjoy your summer baseball. I'm going to. I can't wait. Hopefully they have a little fun while playing as well. And Sports Sunday, we'll be right back. All right, Stephen, I'm going to need you to help me make sense of the spot and choose idea. So the Baltimore Ravens, this is uh, one of a couple of proposals they're putting out there. This is the time of year where NFL teams put proposals out there for rule changes and stuff like that. This is where um, the Sky Judge was originally proposed and then the league decided to make pass interference challengeable because they didn't want to actually fix anything. Uh, this is the time of year where they do stuff like that. The Ravens have, again, proposed the Sky Judge and there's more men- more momentum to get that right. And the Sky Judge, by the way, is having an additional official in every stadium up in a box with a monitor in front of them to immediately fix any clear or egregious missed calls on the field. They would anticipate them used just a couple times a game, the 2018 NFC Championship being the genesis for this idea. Because if there was somebody up in the booth with a monitor and communication with the official, hey guys, that's P.I., drop the flag right there. And that's how quick it would be. The Sky Judge would not have the benefit of stopping the game and doing slow-mo instant replay. It would be clear, egregious, obvious missed calls that the Sky Judge would be a part of. That's one of the Ravens' proposals. I hope it gets adopted. It makes too much sense. But so that also, means it won't. That means it won't. But also, the spot and choose. Stephen, I've read this twice, and I'm still kind of like, wait, why would we do this? So what is it? Yeah, so I've been going through something similar. Basically, you would still have the coin toss in overtime, but this is to de-emphasize the coin toss. One team, whichever team wins the coin toss, would pick 
where the ball is spotted on the field. You could pick literally anywhere. You could pick your own one-yard line, the opponent's one-yard line, or the 50-yard line, anywhere. Then the other team picks if they want to be on offense or defense first, if that makes sense. So if I win the coin toss, I can say the ball will be placed on your five-yard line. Yep, or you could defer that option to the opponent. And so, so then they would obviously choose offense. Right, and it's, yeah, it is a sudden death situation. Then at the end of the sudden death, 10 minutes, then you add 7 minutes and 30 seconds onto the clock. Not sure where they came up with that number. Then it's not sudden death. Then you just play until the end of that 7.5, and, and whichever team is winning wins, or it ends in a tie. So here's, here's something from the Ravens themselves. They list it like this. For example, the Ravens could spot the ball at the 10-yard line. Then their opponent would have to pick whether it wants to start on offense from its 10-yard line or play defense. So and here's it doesn't another seem like quote. there's much advantage to choosing defense first, especially in a sudden death situation. It is believed that the break-even point would be the 13-yard line. For the 14 or beyond, the team choosing offense or defense would be more likely to take the ball. For the 12 or closer, the team choosing offense or defense would more likely opt to defend. This, this is very confusing. And I, I, I kept mean, on what, reading What would it. stop anybody from just picking the 50? I feel like that's what most teams would end up doing. Although, if then you're giving too much advantage, because if you pick the 50, then I guess, let's use actual teams so we don't have to keep saying the opponent. We'll say Ravens-Browns. If the Ravens pick the 50-yard line, then the Browns only have to get 20 yards to get into field goal range, I guess. So I guess you just keep backing it up to the point where the other team doesn't want to choose offense first. <laughs> this is it's a very I, confusing I proposal. Uh, I do too. Cuz what would be the best selection? I mean, what would it be your uh... No, I I can't stand this. I think this is awful. And it's still sudden death, which yeah, I think is the just kick the ball off and play overtime? Yeah. If you really want to de-emphasize the coin toss, play a full 10 minutes. Don't do sudden death. Or at least make sure both teams get one possession. And this has been argued forever. My solution is, is just that, though. It's play a full 10-minute quarter. Whoever's winning at the end of that 10 minutes wins. It's like the NBA. You don't stop when one team scores one basket. You play the entire five minutes. And that's what they should do in the NFL. Uh, so 23 teams would have to adopt this. I don't think this is going to pass because... Uh, it says Bill Belichick likes it. So I don't know how much pull he has well, with other guys. But Bill Belichick also likes to let Tom Brady go. So <laughs> That's true. I mean, how, we can't trust his we judgment We can't anymore. trust him anymore. System quarterback, more like system coach, huh? Anyway. Or just go to college rules, one of you says, and uh, watch good football. The college rule is sure better than this crap. 
If you're going to do that in the NFL, I say back it up 15 to 20 yards. Yeah, make them work for it a little bit more. Maybe maybe do it at the 50. Yeah, there you go. Start at Everybody the 50. gets a possession at the 50. Yep. Make them work for it. it just it, NFL team, they're just too good to give them the ball at the 25 and not score. Right, because even in college at the 25-yard line, a lot of kickers are going to miss that. Yeah. If you put an NFL kicker at the 25-yard line, that's going in. Yeah. Make them work for it a little bit. That would be ideal, I think. And you avoid ties that way. And part of why the NFL does the tie thing is because they don't want guys to get hurt, basically. They don't want the games to be at a point where the teams are so exhausted they're playing bad football and hurting each other. Kicking shootout then at the end of that 10 minutes if it's Could tied. you imagine if we did it like hockey? I think that would we be We just lined up fun. the kickers and just let them kick. But, but in hockey, it's not that way, though. Nor soccer. It has to be a different person every time. <laughs> that would be awesome. So you have Ryan Ramchek out here at 325 kicking, extra, or kicking a 30-yard field goal to win a game. That would be... Look, and I mean, people say that they're trying to take the kickoff out of games and it's, you know, the most unsafe play with guys running down. If you're worried about that and if you're the NFLPA and you want to save kickers, add that in there. And it would make them so much more money as a kicker because you have to value that position because it could ultimately decide you a game by way of a, a shootout, essentially. So... You wouldn't call it penalty kicks. I don't know what you would call it, but if you could get that kind of thing at the end of a 10-minute overtime, if it's still tied, that would add so much intrigue, I think. I think so. we got to get rid of the tie, though. I mean, tie's a soccer thing. We don't need to be playing soccer around here. And that's one of those things that people in America where soccer isn't as big, when you ask them why they don't like it, they'll say, Oh, I don't want to watch something for that long and have it end in a tie. An NFL game can end in a tie. It just doesn't happen as often. So I think you need to get that out of there. Yeah. Uh, here's a little PSA for you. Um, if you are in North Mississippi and want to help deliver water to the people in Jackson, uh, Ole Miss is filling up their equipment trucks filled with water. Uh, you've probably seen some of the reports lately that due to century-old infrastructure in some places, uh, there are many Jackson residents without water still after the freeze of a couple of weeks ago. And so if you want to help, uh, that's a way to do it. They're loading up the truck here in about an hour and 15 minutes from right now until 2 o'clock before the truck takes off to Jackson. I know the New Orleans Pelicans, the basketball team, also sent some truckloads of water to Jackson, and if that's something that you're interested in, uh, you can do uh, just that. So 11 to 2, loading up uh, the equipment truck and uh, sending water down to the capital city because there are some people that are without it still at the moment. I remember that I lived in Jackson proper for a year, and there was one point where the road that went alongside our house, water was seeping up through the road, Stephen, but not like a not like one area. There was like seventy five different holes, like uh, like this big, like quarter size, where water was just coming out up out of the ground. It was wild, man. And you know, it, it is unfortunately so, one and of those that was not that... after it went down to three degrees one night, right? This is, is truly one of those things that it's unfortunate to, to find out just truly how 
bad things had gotten to the point where now you're going on three weeks now uh, without water in some areas. So yeah, everybody, if you can, if you're around the area, help out, head over. Is it at, like on the Ole Miss campus? Yes, on the Ole Miss campus. I'm sure there's other ways you can get it to the people that need it. I mean, people are taking showers with water bottles. So they need all the help they can get water-wise. And so Ole Miss Sports is uh, involved in that. Jackson State got a win yesterday. Goal line fumble stand. Uh, Grambling's first home loss since 2015. Wow. And... Deion Sanders, he's doing it. With, this is the same roster from last year. All the big-time recruits and his son, who's a four-star quarterback, they're not eligible to play yet. So he's doing this all with this same roster from last season. So really exciting. Maybe primetime has something going on. We'll, uh, we'll have to see. I, I, I want to go to one of those games up there. I'm going to. I hope that the city doesn't have like attendance restrictions or something like that that would stop me from going. I think they going. upped it to 50 percent okay what is that 30,000 people I think I should be able to get a seat final thoughts with you next at Sports Sunday don't go anywhere speaking of Bryson DeChambeau by the way apparently the wind is going to be gusting at 20 miles an hour at his back on number six today maybe I'll try to drive the green today that's a 347 yard carry to the front edge of the green from the tee box could hit it. He's going to try. And again, he's going to try. Like what we talked about earlier is everybody saw that clip from yesterday and they'll tune in to see if he can do it again. Yep. I will. I didn't watch it live yesterday. I'm watching the Arnold Palmer Invitational on a Saturday. No shot, but I'll have it on today. Definitely. While I'm smoking salmon. Ooh. Yeah, I've never I've never smoked fish before. I'm mostly just kind of like a barbecue guy. I'm a smoker, but trying salmon today. Got it in a dry brine right now, brown sugar and salt. Is that to then eat it like that or do it like on like a bagel with cream cheese? Like that kind of smoked salmon. I think we're just going to eat it like that, I guess. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> Every time I hear smoked salmon, yeah, I think of like it on stuff. bagels and locks, like yeah. that kind of like New York deli oh, kind of style. See, now I don't know if I should do it this way now. Well, see, I don't like bagels and locks, though, so I just I know the term. Your way sounds better. You ever seen one of those bagels that people get in New York where it's like four inches of cream cheese on it? Like, how can any human enjoy that? It's a lot of cream cheese. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, give me a little something else. Anyway, so that'll be out there. Uh, NBA All-Star Game tonight. I'm a huge NBA guy. I cannot bring myself to give any amount of crap about this. I, mean, I can't do it. Yeah, I, I think that's the, the general consensus for this thing tonight. I mean, my, my guy's in it, too. Like, like Zion's playing in the game, and, it, I mean, he's 20 years old, and he is putting up elite-level numbers for his age. I mean, at this age, he's one of the best to ever do it. Seriously, already. At, you know, points, production, field goal percentage, stuff like that for his age, he's one of the best to ever do it. And I, I just I don't care. Again, if he does anything great, you'll see it on Twitter. You'll see a yep. clip of him dunking over someone. Yeah. The fact I don't know that he would have wanted to do it or if the Pelicans didn't want him to do it, but I don't know why they didn't get him in the dunk contest. Or is this a it, let's wait until we have fans and then we'll put him in that, the dunk contest? And there was probably a mutual understanding between he and the team, like, hey, look, 
One, it's at halftime of the All-Star game. Right. Oh, that's going to be so bad. And two, <laughs> um, you're playing really well right now. And the team, once they trade Eric Bledsoe, is going to be in the mix to make a playoff run. You don't need to get hurt in the dunk contest. So play in the game, that's fine. And then come back next week healthy and we'll make a run to the playoffs after we get rid of Eric Bledsoe. They need to get rid of Eric Bledsoe. They drafted Kyra Lewis, who played at Alabama last year, and he barely plays, and when he does, he's electric and actually gives a crap, unlike the guy that I think they need to get rid of. But anyway, yeah, that's tonight. I know uh, my wife is super excited about the uh, Meghan Markle interview with Oprah. Oh, I thought you were going to say she's really excited about the NBA All-Star game. <laughs> oh, no. I, I mean, she. I'm sure she... If I couldn't care less, I cannot imagine how little she actually cares, but... um. Yeah. Meghan Markle, she's been getting, in the uh, news. getting beat up in the press. Yeah, there was a guy that went viral on Twitter for, uh, for he said, name one thing the United States is better than the UK at, because I can't think of anything. And then he just got dunked on left and right. But my favorite one was treating Meghan Markle like a human. <laughs> got him. Look no further. Got him. She's actually a person in the States, unlike you clowns. But anyway. Um there's a few things that uh, that Stephen had in our rundown today that we're going to get to next week. For example, Chris Sims had Zach Wilson ranked over Trevor Lawrence. A lot of people are in love with Zach Wilson, and he does some nice things. But I wonder if there's a product of, one, being a one-hit wonder, and two, competition level. And should that deter people from drafting him? So we'll get to that. Uh, and then the money loss from major leagues due to the pandemic. I mean, it's significant. We know locally it's a it's a big problem, which is why they're so eager to open things up because they want to survive. And neither Ole Miss nor Mississippi State nor Southern Miss cut programs. It's a big deal. And for that to remain that way, you got to open up soon. And they got to have full stadiums soon or else it's not going to happen. That is a really cool thing, though. Because the people that hurt the most from this aren't the football programs. It's the Iowa volleyball team. Furman baseball. That, that's the kind of programs that get lost. It's the non-revenue sports. It's the women's sports. And uh, luckily, knock on wood, we haven't had to do that around here just yet. So we'll talk about that and more next Sunday. But in the meantime, you guys have a great rest of your day. I'm going to try to get some yard work done. And smoke some salmon. So enjoy the weather, because it's going to be awesome. And we'll talk to you next week. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.